Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance and part three of his teaching in Revelation 14, The Harvest. Now another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if, anybody, if anyone worships the beast, verse 9, and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or upon his hand, he, that person who receives the mark, will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Anyone who takes the mark will drink, here's the language, the cup of God's wrath mixed, unmixed. That is, it will be the full dose of the wrath of God. Oh, here we go. Another preacher talking about the wrath of God. The wrath of God. Remember uh, Indiana Jones? When they show him a picture of the ark and the two you know, FBI agents. What is that? Fire, lightning, the path, the, the, the power of God, the wrath of God. Oh, come on. Come on. And then remember, didn't any of you go to Sunday school? Well, 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 well. <laughs> the Bible teaches that salvation, think about it. We ask, we, we, as Christians, we say we're saved from what? The wrath of God. And Jesus Christ drank a cup He said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, what? Pass from me. I don't want to drink it. But not my will. Yours be done. You know what that cup was? It was the cup of God's wrath. It's pictured in the Bible as a cup that he drank. He drank it. He drank the dregs, if you will. He took the wrath at the cross. Why? Because he loves you. So this is how you avoid the wrath of God. You run and you take the mark of the Savior, 777. (laughs) And the smoke of their torment, those who go the other direction and take the mark of the beast, goes up for how long? Forever and ever. You might want to write down Isaiah 34, 9 and 10. Some of the imagery comes from um, this idea of um, Isaiah 34, Sodom and Gomorrah imagery there. They have no rest who take this mark. They can't rest middle of 11 day and night. They have no rest, those who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name have no rest. No rest. They think that they're taking the easy way out, but it's not the easy way out. They have no rest. Those who reject Jesus Christ, sadly, this is a picture of them. They have no rest, no true rest. Now, here is the perseverance, the patient endurance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. This situation, NIV, calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. The church is going to have to hang in there, especially if we go through uh, trouble, great tribulation. 
And I heard a voice from heaven 13 saying, right, blessed, that's the word makarios, it's joyful, blissful, speaks of fulfillment, satisfaction, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit adds yes, that they may rest from their labors. Now, the church, even if they're martyred, they rest, but the world, in verse 12, doesn't rest, for their deeds follow them. It may be a message here that even if Christians have to pay the ultimate price, they will rest in the presence of the Lord. Blessed are blessed or living are the dead. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will what? He will live. Death is not the end. Don't fear him who can kill your body. And after that, he has no power over you. Jesus said, you have a soul. You have a soul that's going to live on. So don't fear the things that they fear. And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, 14, and sitting on the cloud was one like a son of man. Probably a description of Jesus from Daniel 7.13. Having a golden crown, a diadema, on his head, and he had a sharp sickle in his hand. The sickle is used for cutting stalks of grain. So sometimes you, you see someone with a, a sickle or something like a machete, you know, doing the, the cutting through the jungle. That's kind of what the idea here is. So he's got, he's on this white cloud. He's got the crown. He looks like Jesus the king, and he's got a sickle in his hand. And he's getting ready to reap. Jesus said these words in Mark 4, 26 through 29. The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. He goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts up and grows uh, how he himself does not know. The soil produces crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus says, lift up your eyes. The fields are white unto harvest. These are the days of the harvest. These are the days. When, when your life is over, there'll be no more sharing the gospel with people. It won't be necessary anymore. These are the days of the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers, there are few. And every time I hear that verse, I look at myself and I ask myself, what am I doing? How am I involved in the harvest? And another angel came out of the temple, out of the presence of God, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud. And he said, put in your sickle and reap, because the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Now back to the harvest imagery. The crop is ripe. It's the time to harvest the crop. You wait. You wait for the right season, the right amount of rain, the sunshine, the timing, and it's time to reap the crop, to bring in the harvest. And the uh, harvest is now ripe. It's ready to be reaped. Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 30, allow both to grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up, but gather the wheat into my barn. Most commentators believe that the following verses are the reaping of a grain harvest, which pictures the reaping of believers. And uh, let's pick it up in verse 16. He who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. The reaping is bringing in the crop. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, 
And he also had a sharp sickle. Now, in verse 16, the first reaping, I think most uh, commentators that I've read on this, is the bringing in of believers before the judgment of God. So the grain, the wheat is brought into my barn. Before judgment can come, you're going to have believers rescued. I've described this as Jesus used the image of Noah in the ark. God shuts the door, then the judgment comes. The believers protected. The ark is a type of Jesus. And then the flood of judgment comes. The story of Lot, the angels say, we can't destroy this place until you're out of here. They're literally pulled out of Sodom, then the judgment comes. So the first reaping seems to be believers, the wheat, the, not the tares, but the wheat brought into the barn. Another angel, a second reaping, comes out. He's also got a sharp sickle. He's an angel. Uh, we, we saw first the Son of Man, now we see an angel. And another, another angel who had the power over fire, fire and judgment are often connected, you could look at Revelation 8, 5, came out from the altar. He ca- called with a loud voice to him who, sa- who had the sharp sickle, saying, put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. We've all heard of the grapes of wrath. Well, here we got it. The grapes are ripe. The grapes are about to be brought in for the time of judgment. And the angel swung his sickle, 20, or excuse me, 19, to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Now, the result of the swinging of the angel's sickle is sobering because these clusters from the vine of the earth are thrown into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Now, uh, a winepress, I don't know how else to describe it to you except for an old version of I Love Lucy. Anybody see that? All right. That shows you that I need to get out more. But anyway, and you remember that? They, they were in the, the big thing, whatever you call it, the basin. And Doesn't that kind of gross you out that you've maybe partaken of some? I don't know, but anyway. But that's the way they do it. So they, they stomp on the grapes, and then there's a, a channel, and uh, the juice from the grape flows down, and it's captured, you know, like in a basin. And so there they go. But stepping on the grapes becomes an image of God and his wrath. And he is stomping, judging. There's the splattering of the grape juice, which is a very vivid picture of the splattering of blood. Joel 3, 13 through 15, write this down. It says, put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. Joel 3, 13 through 15. When Jesus was in Gethsemane and he was praying, Luke says he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood to the ground. And he was in a place called Gethsemane. A Gethsemane is literally what is used for the smashing of olives. When the olive gets smashed, what happens is it's, it's opened up, smashed, and olive oil then runs kind of with a similar idea from the olive, and it's caught in a basin below. Jesus was in a place, Gethsemane, which literally means the olive press. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from Scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text "step closer" as one word to 33222. Again, that's "step closer" as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text Step Closer as one word to 33222. Visit the Walk in Truth store today and get the DVD series in Revelation by Michael Lance. The book of Revelation reveals the person and work of Jesus Christ. This book will give you a unique glimpse into heaven and the worship that happens there. It also reveals the future. We see the seven-sealed scroll, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the mark of the beast, and learn about the new heaven and the new earth. Join Michael Lance in these DVD series of the dramatic, often sobering book. Visit the Walk in Truth store today to order your copy of the DVDs, all available to help you dive deeper into the book of Revelation. Visit walkintruth.com today. That's walkintruth.com. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. But stepping on the grapes becomes an image of God and his wrath. And he is stomping, judging. There's the splattering of the grape juice, which is a very vivid picture of the splattering of blood. Joel 3, 13 through 15, write this down. It says, put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. Joel 3, 13 through 15. When Jesus was in Gethsemane and he was praying, Luke says he was sweating, as it were, great drops of blood to the ground. And he was in a place called Gethsemane. A Gethsemane is literally what is used for the smashing of olives. And when the olive gets smashed, what happens is it's, it's opened up, smashed, and olive oil then runs kind of with a similar idea from the olive, and it's caught in a basin below. Jesus was in a place Gethsemane, which literally means the olive press. I want you to see this picture for a second. He was being pressed with the prospects of the cross. And he says, Father, three times he prays it. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And Luke says, and he was praying and blood, as it were, was dropping to the ground like like sweat. Some people think it's symbolic. Some people think he literally went through something, something called hematidrosis where you're under so much pressure that tiny capillaries begin to burst under your skin and you begin to bleed out of your pores because you're under so much mental, emotional strain. Some of you can relate to what I'm saying right now. Jesus Christ in the garden, 
had literally the olive press, the Gethsemane, literally what it means, falling on him. And he was feeling the weight of it. And, he, and he, would, he would literally fall down on his face to the ground. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And he was being pressed. And if the language of Luke is literal, blood was falling to the ground. And you know why he was going through that? So you wouldn't have to be pressed. So the burden the weight of your sin, the judgment of Almighty God would fall on him instead of falling on you, that he would take the wrath, that he would be that smashed, precious olive for you and for me. That is the gospel. God did for you, for me, what we cannot do for ourselves, and he took the wrath of God at the cross. That's why it grew dark. That's why the earth shook when he was on the cross. He spilled his precious blood that judgment might pass over me and you. And the wine press was trodden outside the city. Now we go back to the unbeliever. And blood came out from the wine press up to the horse's bridle for a distance of 200 miles. Now, some of you, um, you may have in your Bible. 1,600 stadia. 1,600 stadia, by the way, as I've read on this, is approximately 184 miles. 184 miles is the exact distance from the top of Israel to the bottom border. 184 miles. From Dan to Beersheba. Hmm. I don't know what all of that means, but up, blood up to the horse's bridle, you know, that would take a lot of people to die, right? But I think what it is saying is that this day is going to be a day where there's a lot of catastrophe. The day of the Lord is coming fierce and cruel. And the good news is if you belong to Christ, you're going to be singing in heaven. Harps, guitars, yeah, yeah. Praise the Lord. But people on the earth who thought they were taking the easy way out, they're not going to get an easy way out. For our God is a consuming fire. And the Bible says it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But would you notice, before this day occurs, he even sends angels and says, The angels say, don't take that mark. He does miracles because God is not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. Now, we don't know if these things will happen in our lifetime, but what we do know is that every day, people head into eternity, right? Every day, we have to decide who we want to live for and even what we're willing to die for. And Revelation 14 certainly captures that. But as a believer, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I want you to turn to Revelation 1.5, and I'm going to ask Shane to come on back up. Revelation 1.5 says these words. It says, From Jesus Christ, 
Revelation 1.5, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. He has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. And even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Even so, amen, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who was and is, who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Father, we are grateful for your word, and this is certainly a, a section that is uh, sobering, but also joyful and hopeful. And there will be a day when we will be counted. The Bible says there will be a day when you will separate the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, the people who say, Lord, Lord, and you say, I don't know you, and the people who will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Lord, we're going to see that a lot of the judgment that takes place has these words. They, they killed the prophets. They, they killed your people. This is God's vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But thank you, Jesus, that you took that vengeance at the cross for us. And I just want to ask you, if you keep your head and heart bowed for a second, do you know Jesus? Have you settled that question? Is he your Savior, your Lord, your King? If you're not sure, please make sure right now. Something like this. Lord Jesus, prayed if it's you, come into my life. Thank you that you went to that cross and took the wrath from me. You didn't deserve it, but you did it. You were innocent. I'm guilty. But I'm going to put my trust in your finished work on the cross. Pray it if it's you. I believe you rose from the dead and defeated my mortal enemy, death itself. And I want to follow you. I want to know you. I want to live for you. I want to know the power of your kingdom, the power of your resurrection, even the fellowship of your sufferings. Lord God, as people cry out to you, maybe some people are just doing some business. Maybe there's some rededications here. You know, Lord. But we just pray that our lives will be a testimony, a trophy of your grace as we live out our days and we live for your kingdom and your glory. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part three of his teaching in Revelation chapter 14 about the harvest. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, a reminder, you can re-listen to today's teaching and previous sermons from Pastor Michael when you visit our website, walkintruth.com. Walk in Truth is also available for free on many podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Michael Lance. Remember, you can purchase the DVD teachings in Revelation on the seven seals on the 144,000 and the great multitude. You can get more on the new heavens and the new earth. You can find out more about the mark of the beast. These are some of the products we have available from the book of Revelation 
at walkintruth.com. If you want to avail yourself to that, go ahead and click on the store tab at walkintruth.com and you can access this teaching and you can even check out other products that would benefit your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, check it out today at walkintruth.com. Now, I'd like to invite you to tomorrow night's worship service at 7 p.m. as we're going verse by verse through the book of Job, the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. You know, the only answer to the problem of evil, the only real satisfying answer, is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, finding our answers in a God who entered into our pain in the person of Jesus. You know, he is the greater Job. He suffered without a cause. He was hated without a cause. He suffered, if you will, the cumulative sufferings of mankind. He took the wrath. He took the punishment, though completely innocent. You know, Job was blameless, but he wasn't innocent. He wasn't sinless. Jesus was. And the book of Job ultimately points us to Jesus Christ. That's why it's called the problem of evil and the power of the gospel. Hey, if you'd like to check out the teaching in the book of Job, join us at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. It's the great church behind Walk in Truth. We're located at 1009 Arsenal Way, 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. You can download the free Living Truth app to get the details. Look for that red logo with the pillars. Download it today in your app store. And you can even catch up on the teaching from the book of Job and get ministered to in that way and prepare you to come on out on a Wednesday night. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part one of his teaching in Revelation 15 called Righteous and True. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.